Bell's Pasha by Jerry Payton. Phonograph cylinder two. Very bleak house. My life totally changed in the first quarter of 1867. A new country, a new home, and new friends. The best, and worst for that matter, being Captain Theobald Roger. Much like a handkerchief on the floor of those knuckle-shuffling rings of youth, he was useful to those in his circle. But he was one of the wildest individuals I've ever known, and his character, as with the handkerchief, was deeply stained. Roger, what do you know about the fire at the timber yard? Nothing, sir. Rumour has it that you bought substandard wood for us. I hope you didn't destroy the evidence so that you could pocket the difference. Of course not, sir. So the new gold watch is... Mere coincidence. And the silk shirt. You'd be surprised how far a captain's wages can stretch. Very surprised. You're not lying to me, are you, Roger? Absolutely not, Colonel. Very well. I'll have to accept your explanation. An Englishman's word is his bond. Um, I'm sure it is. Was there anything else, Colonel? Yes, check up on Bell, would you? See how the little poppet is settling in? Habib, why is there no furniture in the mission? This place lacks all but the bare necessities. You both tried to Queen Victoria as a necessity. It covers the hole in the wall. We Persians aren't too bothered about furniture. Like you, I sit on the floor and sleep on a mattress. You have a mattress? Anyway, what do you want furniture for? What's wrong with cushions? Cushions neither elevate nor comfort me. They fall between two stools. At least they would do if I had two stools. Surely Reverend Sprog lived more agreeably than I do. Yeah, there was a lot of chairs and stuff. The Reverend said it was Chippendales. Anyway, this Chippendale bloke didn't come forward when the Reverend died. So we smashed it all for firewood. You did what? That was good firewood. We weren't going to throw it away. Throw it away? Chippendale is the maker's name. It's perfectly serviceable furniture. And you lot burnt it all. Not immediately. The Reverend's book collection hated us for a week. To make up for it, perhaps you can find me some suitable replacements. I could try commissioning some items from local carpenters, but they're all idle at the moment. Big fire at the timber yard in Hammerdown. It went up in flames? Well, that's usually what happens when something catches fire. Come through, Roger. Tell me, why is there a chap outside walking around with a pair of antlers on his head? Oh, that's my ward, Prince Farrock. Feeble-minded, is he? No, we're preparing for a hunt. The antlers were my idea. We made them into a hat. Nice look. But I doubt it'll catch on. I thought it might allow us to get closer to our prey. We're hunting deer. You don't say. My horse just arrived. One of the prince's men, Amjad, arranged the deal yesterday. I find that hard to believe. Buying a horse in Persia takes weeks of negotiations. It's like a game of cricket. Very little happens amongst the players. The spectators are often bored to tears. And outsiders wonder why on earth you started in the first place. Well, perhaps I'm more efficient than most. No, just more gullible. Whatever animal this Amjad chap has bought will turn out to be lame. Or it'll have some other serious defect. Mark my words. Where's this horse now? Round the back. My manservant said not to disturb it because it needs its midday nap. Midday nap? Ha! 
That's a first. My dear Bell, I'm afraid you've been duped. I think not. See for yourself. Wild horses wouldn't drag me away, though your horse might need to be dragged away. To the boneyard. Ah, Prince Rock. May I introduce my fellow countryman, Captain Roger? All right, Cuck. Good heavens, your English is, um, remarkable. Size yours, mate. Prince Farrokh, we are to inspect my fine new stallion. Perhaps you'd be so kind as to offer your expert opinion. Though you might want to remove those antlers first. In case they frighten the horse. No, you almost had my eye out. Follow me, everyone. Ah, there he is. A vision of beauty. I've seen camels with straighter backs. I think I'll call him Dasher. He didn't seem to respond to our approach. Did you expect him to trot over and kiss us? He's obviously a confident animal. Comfortable around people. I think I surmise the problem. If I click my fingers next to his ear thus... He doesn't even flinch. Deaf as a post. Probably not much in the way of sight either. His eyelids didn't flicker when my hand neared. Sorry, old chap, but this one's fit for the knacker's yard. Just goes to show, you can lead a horse to slaughter, but you can't make it blink. Ha! Oh, suit yourselves. You're both mistaken. Dasher is as fit as a fiddle. A fiddle with a warped bow and only one string, perhaps? Nonsense. And he's not deaf, he just has a calm demeanour. Isn't that right, Dasher? Oh boy! He's breaking loose! Lorks! Dasher is heading straight for that tree! Oh. Ow! Ah! That was right. Near blind as well as deaf. Dasher is probably in a better place. The end of the yard? I'll get Amjad to dispose of the remains. Tell me. Is Amjad that shifty little fellow I saw on my approaching? I'll take my horse whip to the blackguard. No, you're thinking of Habib. Amjad is often seen with Habib, though. The six-foot-three chap? Oh, that's right. Thick set can lift a donkey above his head. Remarkable strength. Perhaps you should admonish him. I, I wouldn't want to interfere. I take it you won't be joining the hunt now, Dr. Bell. Not unless you can raise Dasher from the dead. Even then he'd need corrective surgery, an ear trumpet and an overly large pair of spectacles. Though I might be of some assistance. Two days ago I took possession of a stable of fillers. Roger, polygamy might be acceptable out here, but you'll never get away with it back home. No, I meant horses. You may ride Bessie, my finest mare. So long as she's no wooden mare, I've suffered enough torment as it is. Hold on, Roger. You said it takes weeks to broker such a deal and you haven't been here long. If you bought horses a couple of days ago, surely you too have been sold a pig and a poke. No, because I won my pig as in a card game and they're all prime porkers. The stable belonged to my predecessor. He's returning to England tomorrow and I gave him a hand offloading his horses. Or rather, the hand I gave him offloaded them. Five aces? But a pack contains only four. He didn't notice. We were blind drunk at the time. No matter. Just be grateful you can still go on the hunt. Speaking of which, might I join you, Prince Farrokh? I've shot deer in the highlands of Scotland. With dogs? No, ferrets. Ferrets? Yes, ferrets. They spook the deer who then run towards us. Very well. See you tomorrow morning, Captain Roger.
there's Amjad approaching over the horizon. I believe you were going to teach him a lesson. Page charge, is that the tame? Mustache. That evening I dined on a hearty meal prepared by Habib, whom I'd employed as my manservant. Although Persian cuisine took some time getting used to, let's face it, a kebab is no kippered herring. I eventually acquired a taste for it. Much like a farm labourer acquires a taste for naked rambles. In the cowshed, after dark. This is absolutely delicious, Habib. The prince was right to recommend you as my cook. Thank you, Jacques And served just in the nick of time. I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Just as well, because that's what you are, eating. Oh, <laughs> don't tell me this kebab is dasher. Once not, twice not. Is horse meat even a speciality in Persia? You wouldn't catch any of the villagers eating it. Then why are you serving it to me? I thought you Christians ate anything. Well, we don't. Reverend Sprague ate it to us. And he butchered it. Didn't even need so. We have plenty of spare goat meat. I don't wish to hear about the fringe practices of Reverend Sprague, thank you very much. Promise that you won't ever serve something like that again. Suit yourself. Is there anything else I can eat instead? I'll prepare another meal right away, Dr. Bell. Oh, my grief. As arranged, Roger arrived early next morning and we met with the prince. After many wasted hours pursuing deer, I was much like a relief teacher having his bottom pinched by the big boys. Rapidly tiring of the whole experience. Have you not noticed that eagle circling above? It belongs to me. The eagle's important in our culture. Many historical images depict its form. Because it represents power, probably just easier to draw. It's difficult to get the legs right with horses. Nonetheless, the eagle's a big part of a traditional hunt. And if you glance backwards, you'll see Amjad. By jingo, I hadn't noticed. Yes, his six-foot-three Herculean figure is hard to sport. He's my handler. The bird's been trained to take its cue from the dogs. <laughs> well, I certainly wouldn't argue with them. When they're on the chase, it sweeps down ahead and sinks its talons into the back of the deer, and then carries it off. No, the eagle slows the deer down, gives the dogs a chance to catch up. At this rate, the only thing they'll be catching up on is their sleep. We haven't got close to a deer all day, and I can't even shoot one. They're always just out of range. Must be that awful scent you're wearing. If I can smell it tomorrow, I'll off, so can they. By scent, you mean my Roland's Calliador. The radiant bloom it imports to the cheek, and its capability of soothing irritation when shaving, render it indispensable to every toilet. Did they pay you to say that? No comment. The herd are definitely over that ridge now, though. And I have a plan. Prince Frock, be so kind as to reach into your bag and pass me the hat of antlers. Right you are. What are you going to do with it, Belle? Well, wear it, of course. Ah, then what? I'll ride round the back of the herd, keeping low all the time. They'll only see my antlers so they won't suspect a thing. I'll leap out and spook them so that they run towards you, then you can bring one down with your gun. I see you'll be... you'll be like a man ferret. There, that feels nice and secure. 
Good luck. Luck? Only skill matters now, Roger. Only skill. Do you think it'll work, Prince Falork? Nah. Some of the dogs have gone after him, so now the bird is confused. And the antlers don't help. It's descending. It thinks Dr. Bell is a deer. <laughs> there you go. It's clawing his back. Get it off me! Bessie shouldn't have bolted like that. Woo! Must be all that noise Bell's making. Keep it down, Bell! I don't fancy his chances on the other side of that ridge. Bessie's too smart to jump. Ooh. Told you. Ha! Huh. I totally forgot about the irrigation stream. Bell, are you all right? He's found his way to the bank, so he can't be badly injured. But he will be when I finish with him. My eagle, he's held it underwater. You swine! You've drowned my eagle! It wouldn't let go. The few days I'd spent building the trust of Prince Farrakh were totally wasted. All respect accorded me which wasn't much, if I'm honest, was lost in that moment. Following my accident, I was helped onto Bessie and led back to the mission. It still being the last throes of winter, I was chilled to the bone by the freezing water of the stream, and my plums retracted into my groin. I spent hours in front of my meagre fire, struggling to find warmth, anxiously awaiting the descent of my hairy eggs. Not even Roger could cheer me up. We honestly thought we'd lost you back there, Bell. Until we realised how shallow the water was. I could easily have drowned. Really? That stream was barely knee-deep and the water was practically still. Mind you, it was lucky that Amjad came along. Any longer clutching that bank? I'd have frozen to death, I know. No, your riding boots would have been ruined. The strength of Amjad, though. You were plucked from that water, as if you were an apple bobbing in a fairground barrel. Yes, why he had to use his teeth is beyond me. Just showing off. Well, I didn't notice you doing much to help. I did my bit. Restraining the prince so that he couldn't throw any more rocks at me is hardly doing your bit. I'm grateful to Amjad, though, for lifting me back onto Bessie. One-handed at that. I wonder what he does to keep that forearm so strong. As a token of my gratitude, I've decided not to punish Amjad over Dasher. I'd have horsewhipped him otherwise, of course. Uh, of course. So how do things stand with the prince? Amazing how the offer of money calmed him down. Clearly the man has financial problems. So have I now. This business has cost me a pretty penny. Dasher didn't come cheap, I can tell you. Yes, the whole Dasher affair must have left a bad taste in your mouth. You don't know the half of it. Dr. Bell, I brought you a nice warming kebab. Thank you, Habib. Most welcome. Um... Uh, the taste is a little overpowering for the European palate. Though very warming, thank you, Habib. There's a bit of gristle in my mouth. Probably a piece of testicle. I can get a bit chewy when overcooked. By cracky, it's a talon. This kebab is made from the prince's drowned eagle. Might I remind you of your promise to me, Habib? Oh, I kept my promise. This kebab was prepared by the prince, not me. I didn't know what was in it. I just cooked it. Obviously the prince hasn't forgiven you, Bill. Well, you know what they say. Revenge is very good eating cold. Whereas an eagle kebab...
despite his outward display of calmness, the prince was still smarting over the loss of his precious eagle. Heaven knows why. The blasted thing couldn't even sing. Bajurigar, now there's a real bird. I decided to lay low for a while. A few days at the telegraph office gave me the opportunity to resume my doctoring, which, much like a retired sailor's plug tail, had been redundant for some time. Taking a break from your patience? Oh, hello, Roger. You'll find me inspecting the roll. It needs more lotion, if you ask me. So, any interesting cases today? Some of the men have discovered a house of ill repute. Just a false alarm, but one thought he had venereal disease. Really? Who? Couldn't possibly tell you on account of patient confidentiality. It was that tall chap broad bolting on top. Big Thompson? It put mine to shame. So, how's your morning been? Disastrous. We're almost out of telegraph holes due to the sudden timber shortage. I think I know what went wrong there. Roger, what do you know about this interruption of the telegraph service? Nothing, sir. Rumour has it that you paid insurgents to cut the wires at various points along the line. I wondered why I hadn't heard from Mater. Why would I do such a thing, Colonel? To keep our engineers busy, while you desperately hunt around for timber that should have been at our disposal days ago, thereby avoiding attention being drawn towards criminal activity, involving arson and fraud. As if I'd do that, Colonel. Though insurgents cut the wires all the time, they might as well be paid for it. I'll never understand such antipathy towards the British. Our fine upstanding men, apart from Roger, uh, apart from Roger, and the dangers to women, uh, Mater accepted. Naturally. I mean, anyone would think we'd subjugated huge parts of the globe by being schoolyard bullies. What a ridiculous notion. Still, you'd better find some timber soon, Roger, or I'll make garters of your guts. I'm one step ahead of you, Colonel. I've already sent out a couple of local lads to scout for wood. Then you'd better hope they come up with the goods. And haven't you got something better to do than loaf around here? Yes, sir. I, um, need to have a word with Thompson about something. My work in Hamadan soon came to an end. After seeing every member of staff, some much closer than I'd have liked, I tentatively headed back to the village, praying that the prince had calmed down. Though Habib's quest to obtain some furniture for me was fruitful, and... Much like Uncle Eric and his questionable impression of Vesuvius erupting, he certainly surprised me with his efforts. Cheddar! A bed, chairs, a table even. Well done, Habib. Where did you find them? Find them? This furniture was made especially for you. By the finest craftsman in our village. Would that be Amjad by any chance? How did you guess? It's overly solid. Brutal in appearance, and about twice the size of normal furniture. Still, better than nothing. You can give me a hand with the bed in a moment. I'll just take one of these chairs upstairs. What the blazers? Where are my floorboards? We sold them. Whatever for? Chimchonis offered to buy whatever wood we had. Damn that, Roger. We sold them your boards, because you hardly ever used the top floor. Only because I had no bed. Besides, that's no reason to sell them. We did it for your own benefit. For my own benefit? With the money from the boards, we bought wood to make your furniture. 
The only way villagers can get their hands on timber is by making a special trip to Hamadan, and there's a shortage there, as you well know. So from whom did you buy the wood? Those blokes we sold the floorboards to. Don't tell me they sold the boards back to you. Of course not. Oh yeah, they did. Anyway, we ended up slightly down on the deal. Any shortfall is coming out of your wages. Don't worry, the prince made up the shortfall. That was generous of him, given the circumstances. He even paid Amjad to make a special job of your furniture. It appears that I've misjudged the prince. He just needed time to calm down. And you need time to sit down. I can see you're a little tired, Dr. Bell. Any of your shenanigans. I saw you approaching, so I prepared your food in advance. Um, Habib, this chair is a little on the high side. Just make a step from some books. I would do if you lot hadn't burnt them all. Hop up, you'll be fine. Ah, oof. Here you go. A lovely hot kebab. Wait, you must think I was born yesterday. What's in it? Chocsabelle, you insult me. This kebab contains nothing other than lamb and some seasoning. And it wasn't prepared by the prince? On my honour. I'll even eat a bit myself if you don't believe me. Very well. Set it down. Ah, that was with the prince's doing. Apparently, revenge is a dish best eaten off the floor amidst a collapsed dining table. Pass me that leg. You're going to reattach it? No, I intend to ram it up your... Persia was produced and performed by me, Jerry Payton. If you need to contact me, email bellspersia at gmail.com. Or one word, just leave out the apostrophe. And you can follow me on Twitter at bell underscore persia.